All right. Here we are. Here we are. Welcome, welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Science in between. Zolly. This is Scott. That's Scott. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, and so this week we're going to dig into the like the in between part of the science in between. Is that what this is? I don't know. Is that where that lives? I don't I know. Guess, I guess it's something. It's sure. not the science part. Well, sure, it's science, sort of. Right, it's not science computer education. Science. It's computer science, but that falls under the umbrella of science, right? Everything's science, man. Everything. Everything. I would, I would say that our art friends would maybe argue with that a little bit. Mm, maybe pro- pro- probably, probably. All right, so we we've been talking about artificial intelligence, ChatGPT, a bunch of episodes ago. I guess that's almost like four months ago now, you mm. know. And Isn't that long ago, Jeez. yes, I think it was, which is why yes. we are like, uh, like trying to figure out some episodes for the next couple of weeks. We are like, you know what, we just should come back and and revisit AI just for a, a you know first you know an episode just to kind of give you an update of where things are in terms of. You know, not only educationally, but also from a society standpoint, the societal aspect. I, I, I'm just fascinated. Have you heard the, the Drake song? Did you hear the Drake song? No, I did not. You have any idea what I'm talking about when I say the Drake song? No, but well, I have some idea because what we're talking about in the context. So, but go ahead and tell me about the Drake song. Yeah. So this is pretty, uh, pretty amazing from my point of view that uh, this happened and how it went down. Um, so I guess maybe like in in April, mid April, um, the this uh this I think they they go by the name Ghostwriter, right? Yeah. So they're uh you know producer, and what they did was they went to like ChatGPT or another chatbot like that, mm-hmm. and said write me some lyrics in in the, in the style you know, of Drake in the style of Drake, right? And it generated these lyrics, and then they took those lyrics. And took them to a, a like one of those voice modeling things where they take yeah. all of you know Drake songs and they mm-hmm. model his voice and then you could put in words and it sounds like Drake, right? Mm-hmm. And then they produced a whole song with him and The Weekend, and they put it online and wow. it went viral. And it's a pretty decent song. <laughs> so if you haven't heard it, it's called "Hard on My Sleeve," and. It is uh, now what happened. So this was released, I guess, on like a Friday or Saturday and exploded. It was viral. Like everyone was just like all these folks were downloading it from like, you know, Spotify and, you know, Mm -hmm. they were was on YouTube and Apple Music. And now, of course, how do you think this plays out? How do you think of it? Well, I think Drake's probably not happy about this. Well, actually, from from what I understand, the 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 artists themselves have kind of been pretty quiet about the whole thing. Well, because... the week the weekend wasn't modeled. He actually appeared and sang. No, he was modeled too. Yeah, oh, it was, like oh, neither oh. of them, you know, actually sang on the song or performed yeah. on the song. Okay. Yeah, neither of them. They actually neither of them. Um, lent their their actual voices or their creativity to this. This was completely done by fat- Ghostwriter. Yes, and and artificial intelligence. Yeah, yeah, and it's pretty catchy, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, this is yeah, this is a a funny thing about you know, like, well, this <clears throat> I was just listening to somebody talking about the movie yesterday. Have you heard of this? This is yeah. a Danny Danny Boyle movie where. Yep. It's it's an alternate future where the Beatles don't exist, and one person, this one guy, remembers the Beatles, and so he starts 
replaying the songs. So the same thing of like, would those songs be hits if the Beatles didn't exist? And so would this, you know, and, you know, part of it is like a big reason this song got listened to, right, is because of how it was created. Mm -hmm. So, no, I think the other thing is that, so I I don't, I don't know the, um, like Drake and Weekend, but I guess they used to perform a lot together and they haven't performed together in you know a bunch of years and so this song was like oh look they're performing together and then they're like hey this isn't us you know like so their mm-hmm. their camps had to say you know made it made it clear hey this is artificial intelligence not us the um i think universal is the 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 person who is the publishing company for uh for drake and the weekend they had the song pulled down not so much about the artificial intelligence part of it but because the ghostwriter sampled something that was copyright protected. What did so they were, sample? Some sort of, you know, backbeat or some sort oh, of Oh, so there was something in the music itself, yes. not the actual lyrics no. of the singing. Oh, and so and that's what got it pulled down because it was unlicensed use. So mm. so the law still hasn't caught up to where we are, or even like, you know contracts or any of this stuff hasn't caught up to where we are in terms of you know creation mm. and distribution you know and then there's other artists who are just like absolutely like saying yeah use my voice you know but if the song makes money i'd like to get paid for it you know yeah well yeah. right so maybe now musicians won't have to write their own music anymore they just get famous enough to be famous and then they just have ai write the rest of their songs yeah. and perform them we won't have actual performers at rock shows anymore they'll just roll out a little robot and it'll sing songs for it well but i i you know there's all there's a lot of uh movies and tv shows in which you know saw there's some avatar who who's performing yeah and you know like this is like futuristic thing and we're close to that i mean we're close to that like i mean they're already um, some artists who, like I, I think about Sia and Orville Peck and a few others, who you don't actually see their faces. Sure. You know, I guess Sia now you can see. Like I yeah. think they've they've now. Um, oh, Daft Punk. For sure, like Daft Punk. Them. Like we didn't know who Daft Punk was. Yeah. So, you know, is it is it important that we know who those folks are? You know, like Orville Peck wears a like a mask over yeah. you know over part of his face, over part of their face. I don't know. I'm just a, yeah. and and so um. You know, could we replace them with a a, a digital avatar presence? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. It's, well, it, I mean, I think wild. there's, I think there's a lot of nuance even to this, right? I mean, in the sense that there's a huge difference between recorded music and live music, for example, yeah. right? And so, um, and I know that even that's gotten blurred because a lot of you know musicians who use electronic instruments or you know lip syncing, and there's all the sort of variations on that stuff but um but i do think you know it, it you know it's another layer to this onion of how do we how do we think about the relationship between technology and people um and and how those boundaries are becoming more and more porous um and yeah it's just something we're going to have to deal with being being part of our future right right well so. i mean I, I, we started with the you know music world, but I I, I think um, I'd like to kind of take us back to the education world because yeah, specifically, so. yeah, I mean I I, I think that and... was right. Like this was a b- big thing um, in 
uh, the news. And I, it, certainly I saw it, on, you know, I was covered in podcasts and it was, but I think that, you know, for those of us who work in, in classrooms, I think we've seen a growth in AI. I've certainly seen it in my classes with my students. Um, now it's nothing to the point where I've been able to, I've, I've had to say, hold on, I'm going to set up a red flag here. Um, because I thought that there was, you know, some sort of plagiarism or some dishonesty going on. Um, but I know some of my colleagues have that some of my colleagues have, have run into a situation where they're like, okay. Cause like, uh, for instance, turn it in, you know, which yeah. is a, um, you know, a plagiarism checker now has an AI detection thing in it. And mm-hmm. so you can click on it and says how much of it was, you know, or, or created by some sort of chatbot. Um, I've gotten ones that had like 1% or like, you know, 2%, but nothing like significant. But I've had colleagues who've had ones that were like pretty significant, like 50%. And mm-hmm. so what we've been doing as an institution is. Algorithm is that? Uh, yeah, I don't like know. be tricky. Well, there are some. There's a ton of detection stuff that's grown out. Uh, like most of the, most of the folks are developing the AI. There's there's also people who are creating AI, AI to detect the AI, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah, and and so I mean, yeah, it's it's that offense defense thing, right? Sure. And yeah. and so the the defense is just it's is catching up. It's just like a couple steps behind the offense, right? mm. and and that's where we are as an institution trying to you know read policy. I'm on a committee of people who are you know, reviewing our academic policies and and trying to update them to better reflect um, this world, this world that's constantly changing, this terrain that's constantly changing, yeah. which is which is wild, you know. So I, I thought I'd bring up like the latest draft of ours. Just I don't need to read all of it, but I'll I'll say what we um what what we've added. Okay. Um so this is to your like code of conduct, sort of ethical uh yeah. So we have an academic honesty policy. Yeah, okay. So all of you know, every institution has them. Right. Some you version, know, yeah. Some version of what is acceptable behavior academically. And mm-hmm. and some schools have honor codes, right? They sign off on honor codes yep. and and we're not one of those institutions. Um, but we do um have a pretty clear, but it pretty clear academic policy. How well it's enforced, I think, is you know, hit or miss depending on you know uh who the instructor is and you know what college you're in and so on and, and so on. I mean, as as any place is, right? Um but here's some of the changes we've made. So um, we've added uh, a, uh, a some things around plagiarism, um, specifically mm-hmm. saying plagiarism is defined as intentionally or unintentionally using ideas, words, or data from another source while crediting that source, including online sources such as, and we list some. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that all right there is is new language mm-hmm. to really expand it. To 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 say, hey, like you, if you're intentionally or unintentionally doing this, you know, it's still considered. Um, and then we've added things throughout by because providing examples helps to, uh, um, you know, offer some clarity. Um, quoting a source's actual words, including words generated by an artificial intelligence chatbot. So we've been we've called it out, mm-hmm. right? Uh, using a source's ideas, opinions, and theories, including those generated by an AI. 
um, you know, borrowing facts, statistics, or other illustrative materials, including those generated by an AI. So we've added that language mm -hmm. just to make it clear to students because they're like, hey, it's not really a person, you know, because that's right. that's the conversation that, you know, yeah. we've had with students. It's like, well, who's the who's being harmed? I'm not like really, you know, quoting. I'm not stealing anybody's work. Right. There's mm -hmm. nobody who's being stolen from. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we have to. You're stealing from everybody. Right. You're stealing from their Really, what they're stealing from is their own learning. That's the. Well, yeah, but that's metaphorical. I mean, but right. what actually is happening is they are stealing from all of the, you know, all of the collected people that have posted right. their work online. So you are not stealing from one individual, but you are stealing in that sense from the whole corpus of data that is the stuff that's online. Yeah. But that does, yeah. So it brings up some real tricky issues about what it means to be original. Like, you know, like, well, we only learn language by talking to other people. And so, you know, if if you're Vygotsky, you would say all the language in your head is really, you know, from other people. You're having a conversation with historically with just, you know, basically other people. And so that's all that a chatbot is doing on some level is looking at all of their all of the conversations and building new talk from that old talk. Um, it's interesting. It is. Yeah. But, I will say one of the things that I I've done just to kind of like stay on top of this is I've joined some Facebook groups. Yeah. People are still on Facebook. Um, yeah. uh, one's GPT zero educators. So there's an okay. educational group that's just around, um, you know, chat GPT. Um, and I, I think the GPT zero is one of those detection groups. Right. And, yeah. and so there's a whole community of people who are talking about it happening in their, in their classrooms, not necessarily always from a negative standpoint. Some of it's like, here's how I'm using it in my classroom. So it's, some of it is, you know, a idea sharing, you know, and what I think is always what one of the most interesting parts of this isn't just like the how do we police this? How do we restrict this? How do we keep it from happening in our classrooms? But how do we write better prompts? And I think mm -hmm. that's the thing that is, for me, the most interesting part of this is there's a whole conversation around how do we write better prompts to get better products from the you know, whether it's Bard, which is the the Google version, or, you yeah. know, I know Bing has it built in. And and so there's all like, you know, before we were just talking about ChatGPT, but now there's like all these other folks that are other players who are in that space. And I think that each one of them has a different, you know, way to prompt it to get better results. So like, I find a lot of it is like being specific as to what you're looking for, but then also to, 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 to explain like to have it adopt a voice or give it like, like say, uh, write this in the style of, uh, I don't know, an, an educator who's emailing a parent, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. or giving it content, say, rewrite this in from this standpoint. Mm -hmm. Right. And yep. so giving it specific prompts, giving it a, a specific voice helps, you know, because yeah. because otherwise you're just going to get this, you know. I mean, it's well written, yeah. But it, but it well, doesn't. It's, it's more about you know. Again, going back to this point that the AI is basically training you, right? So it's training you how to write better prompts for it by right. by yeah, 
Well, it's kind of like the early days of Google, right? Or search engines. Like people sure. were just going in and just going, and now like there's a whole, you know, lexicon to searching well, right? Like, you know, putting yeah, in. Yeah, though. Well, go ahead. Putting in like quotes, you know, right. uh, you know, there are, I mean, that's just like the basic thing, but there's a ton of things you can do sure. to search better. Um, some of that is understanding how HTML works and how those search engines work. And some of it's just, you know, really narrowing your search or broadening your search, depending on how you want to do this to, you know, find what you're really looking for. Yeah, except, I mean, I think one of the things that's happened with Google and I think search engines in general is they have adapted to people. So originally you needed all that Boolean stuff and all the quotes and all that to get good searches because the engine itself was very oriented to that. Whereas over time now, if you're doing a Google search, it's just as good to just sort of dump it in the way you're thinking about it. You know, song that has the, you know, that has this lyric and just type that in and no quotes, no anything. And, you know, Google has gotten a lot better at just using using us to train it in the same way. Right. I mean, I think Google does the same thing for its search engine that it has a it has algorithms that are that are checking on all the searches that we do and using those searches to make its engine better for searching. Right. So. Um, and you and it's customized to you, right? This is why it'll autofill for you differently, for example, than it will autofill for me and give different search results for the same prompt. So yeah, I mean, I think this is this is sort of a convergence, right? There's been a lot of work on that side for the for the um, search engine to modify itself towards us. And I think this is just the next step in that process where we're gonna start like having a conversation with these chatbots, which is why I think it's appropriate to call them chatbots. I was just, I was telling you this, that I just talking to somebody who used to work at Penn State and now is is starting a company where they're doing some development to try and put a tutoring layer on top of chat GPT, where it'll do, it. basically you could put in a text like, I don't know, one of Shakespeare's plays, and then the the chatbot can have a conversation with you about what's what's in the play, basically what's important and what the themes are. Wow. That's, that's wild. Cause you know, they'll, they'll learn enough to, to be able to pass some assessment, right? Some like, you well, know, yeah. And they've got, tools. I mean, they've got the whole corpus of analysis of Shakespeare's plays in its head, quote unquote head. Right. So the chat, the, and, and for old texts like that, like, just think about how much stuff was written about, say, Macbeth. So right. all that corpus is in there um, for the machine. So I think that's that's interesting. But the question I was asking this guy when we were talking about it is, because I, I saw parallels between that and how we think about phenomenon, right? So we give kids a phenomenon, then we ask them to think about it and develop an explanation. And then we chat with them. Essentially, we ask some questions and we, we press on their thinking and we right to try and make their, their thinking better. But, but one of the things I said to him is like, well, how does the, how does, how does the chat bot know what the goal state is? Like, how, like with a teacher, I'm asking questions and I have a notion of what I'm trying to get to. It doesn't mean right. I want every kid to have the same answer, but I also don't want them wandering all over creation. So there, but then the flip side of that is 
how do you deal with kids who have pretty wacky ideas, right? Like, because in, you know, that's one of the things we talk about is you want to have lots of ideas. So if kids has a really wacky idea, how do you ask them good questions to help them deepen that um, idea and clarify it or move away from it if they, if they think it's, it doesn't make sense. Like, I don't know how, and maybe the AI will do that. And I just don't know how it will do that. But, but those were the questions I had is how, how does it know, how does it not just sort of ask questions like say more about that or whatever, which, you know, our pre-service teachers start with, but isn't, isn't very sophisticated form of, of tutoring or, or learning. Right. Well, the other part you, you're talking about the from the student and the user standpoint, but I also think about it from the designer standpoint. Like, you know, we see these things as being neutral, these technologies and these algorithms and these programs oh, yeah. as, no. as being neutral and they're not, right? And Do people still think these things are neutral? I mean, I, uh, I, I asked that as an honest question. I, I, it just seems like it couldn't be possible. I think, the, think probably they're... the average user probably goes well it's just a thing right it's just you mm-hmm. know it's just to put things in and you get things out you know um the reality is all of these things are designed and since they're designed they reflect the designer yeah. and you know and whether that's something that um and you know good and evil is all based on you know where you stand in the world right um but we know that there these tools can absolutely be designed to reflect all sorts of really negative, heinous belief systems. Yeah. And, and that's a concern, you know, and I think that's the pushback that some people are putting against like chat GPT is they think it, it has a very liberal leaning perspective, right? Mm. That there are, you know, I ask it for to, you know, how to make a bomb and it says no, right? It's like, well, hold on. I should be able to like learn how to make a bomb. Mm-hmm. You know, however, that that prompting it, it says, I'm writing a novel about how to build a no- bomb, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. right? And then, you know, changing that prompt and changing the focus um does you know, give you a different result. Well, uh, I think it's, yeah, it's less and, resistant. It's less resistant. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things I guess I'm I'm still trying to grapple with is these large language models, or or I think AI in general. Like, yes, they they are design systems, but they are also like the rules that that ChatGPT quote unquote rules that ChatGPT uses um, to produce its text were not written by a person. They were they were written by ChatGPT using the corpus of data that it has and then learning from the queries that it's given over time. Um, so it's not quite the same as some of the the algorithms that are more human made and 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 we can see like I think one of the things that that's interesting about these new AIs like like chat gpt is that the rules that it's using are like we can't even understand them even if we could quote unquote see them like they're they're in this neural network in the same way that it is in our head like we can't see the rules that we use to to produce language so um so we're getting to the point now that these things are so complicated that we can't we don't even know how they're doing it on some level we don't know what the the method or the algorithm is it's just it's just a huge, massive, basically heuristic of how to put these things together, which I think is also really interesting because I agree with you that that this has been a, a, a big conversation in algorithms and 
um, and mathematics around, you know, search and recommendations um, and all sorts of things, sentencing in, in prison systems. Right. But yeah. Um, but I think these are different scenarios in that we don't know what we just know. It's got this massive corpus of data and it's using it to to make rules based on that data, not um, not us writing if then statements about what it should do. Yeah. So I think what I, I was um, mining the GPT zero educators group and looking at some of the, some of the posts I've come across over the last few weeks and went, you know, what are some of the things that I could bring into this episode? And I know you're a big fan of lists, so I'm going to, oh, you know, great. Yeah. So there's a, 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 the top 10 things we need to know about chat GPT. No, 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 no. no. Nine things. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's an odd. Nine things. <laughs> no, actually, th- I think this list is a little different. It says the nine C's. Of course, they all start with C. Oh, that uh, large language man- models don't do well. Hmm. Okay. So it's not like a ranking thing. It's just like a, and I think it really gets at what you're saying is that you know there's this huge you know, thing behind the curtain that's happening and we just, you know, go put things in and we get things out. But these are the things that a bunch of people who've, you know, and it's written by a a guy named Matthew Lim, who um, is a history teacher. He can be found on the the chat GPT zero, uh, actually GPT zero educators group. And he's also on uh, LinkedIn. So one, he says, calculate that like these you know, models don't calculate things well. So if you're going to put in like, hey, here's this equation or solve for this, that it doesn't do that well because the mm. way the algorithm is, it's pulling things next to each other. It's right? not actually at, doing the math. It's text. You're yeah. looking at text. And so calculating is not one. Crediting sources. Yeah. Well, we knew this already. Right. right. We knew this like early on. This was something we talked about in, 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 uh, you know, one of the earlier episodes is that it just makes things up. Right. And so, um, contextual awareness. I thought that would be one that you would really mm. appreciate yeah. is that it doesn't recognize nuance. It doesn't, uh, you know, and so sometimes that happens and, and you get these like really inaccurate responses or kind of kooky. It's like, how do they make that connection? Um, Currency, I guess, because it's like just like you know, like a a, a number. Another it doesn't math really, thing. Another math thing, right? Uh, counterfactual conjecture. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, so, so they 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 don't make they don't do good with like you know hypotheses and you know re- recognizing the difference between possible ideas and impossible ideas. So, yeah, um, because critical, it doesn't recognize ideas, right? right? I mean, that's the point, right? You it's know. all about like it, like information, right? Yeah. It's about like uh, critical thinking it's, again. It's all about text and ordering it's all about words, right? So, critical thinking, yeah. Again, you know, um, creativity, yeah. Uh, connecting to human beings and conscience, yeah. You know, so well, there's no right. mor- morality <clears throat> that's built into that. So yeah, I thought I mean, that was interesting because some of it's like some of it's kind of philosophical, you know, but some of it is like user like, OK, if you're going to ask it to do these kinds of things, you're not going to get this. Good. You're not going to get good responses. You're not going to get something that's usable. You yeah. Know? Well, yeah, I mean, for me, I, I don't know. That list is fine. I, it feels like 
It's fine. You love lists. So I hate I, lists. <laughs> so um, I like my to-do list. That's a good yeah, list. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, the problem is that a bunch of those are premised on the idea that the that the machine is in some way truly intelligent, right? That it actually knows what it's doing as opposed to just producing things with a heuristic, right? Um, so, so I think if you're, if you understand that key piece, then you understand all those other pieces, which is sure. to say you understand that of course it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't think about things. It doesn't know what ideas are much less how to have an idea. It just orders text based on an algorithm that it's been given. Um, so that that's, uh, you know, that it's, it's like quantum mechanics, right? I mean, it's, it's, randomness uh built into a thing that just you know orders text i mean there's there's a really good um do you know cal newport no okay he's a he's a computer scientist academic computer scientist but he's also writes sort of popular press um i don't know what you call them productivity books i guess um he had a he had a book a while back called the world without email um which was a nice book i liked it um and he's got a blog and and uh but he writes articles for the new yorker on a pretty regular basis and he just had one uh, a couple weeks ago in the new yorker well i just said that called what kind of mind does chat gpt have and he breaks down in pretty straightforward language exactly how chat gpt does what it does and um explains what it produces and what it means and also, why he's not particularly worried about this being a, a generalized intelligence, uh, artificial intelligence, the sort of general artificial intelligence, which is what we tend to think of, like when we think of like Hal or whatever, in, you know, sort right. of sci-fi intelligence that you imagine that actually it takes over the world, right? Yeah, yeah, right, Skynet or whatever, right? That that has its own sort of independent intelligence. Um, but it's a good, but it's a good article. But I, I, I know you don't like the the list, but I think what that does for us as educators is, you know, if what you're interested in is like text and facts and things like that, then that's something your students are going to be able to go to ChatGPT and really easily get a something to submit, right? That's like because if you're if that's what you're interested in, that's something ChatGPT does already, and it's like so it's it's almost like any like anything that's Googleable, you know, that we, we shouldn't have that on an exam. That was one of the things that like I always say to my students, if your test can be beaten by Google, then you're asking the wrong questions. Mm. Right. And I would say the the same thing. If your if your test or you know essays can be, you know, answered by ChatGP, then maybe you're not asking the right questions. Yeah. I mean, I I don't disagree with that. I mean, I guess the thing for me is that um you know this is like what's what's a good metaphor i mean it's it maybe it's like the latter problem that you know um oh my gosh uh, stephen covey talks about like when you're working really hard like when you're producing when you're doing something one of the, one of the things you should make sure of is that his metaphor is that your ladder's against the right wall. Are you working hard to get somewhere that you actually want to get? Or are you just working hard to get up the ladder, not looking around at where you're going? I think the reason that this metaphor matters in this instance is I think, you know, what we've seen is multiple choice tests have gotten increasingly more complicated to use because 
because of all the things that we're talking about, right? That getting access to facts is easier and easier. And so um, there are ways to beat those tests, to quote unquote, cheat them. And ChatGPT is just the next, um, it's the next rung in that ladder, which is saying, well, now we can't even give a short answer and essay things because those can get gamed because ChatGPT exists and we can't, we can't have essays and we can't. So, you know, for me, the question always comes down to, well, isn't this just a fundamental misunderstanding about what learning is and what it means? You know, it's again, it's this, it's this obsession with finding out what the individual value of one person is independent of any other people or supports, because that's how we know what somebody's worth. And that's how we give them a grade. And just starting to think about like, maybe we need to really overhaul the system in a bigger way. Wow. So let's, let's, Tear down the system. <laughs> well, no, I don't want to tear down the system. But what I do want to do is think about like we we have an obsession with lists yeah. and and assessments that are built on lists, and that lists are the right. And once we have a list, then the list is right, and all we need to do is compare people to that list to determine where their deficiencies are. Um, I'm just wondering if maybe rethinking that, and I mean, it it doesn't actually mean tearing down the system. I think approaches to science teaching like we're talking about are are actually a ladder against a different wall to stay with my metaphor right to say right now the big challenge with those those pedagogies isn't the pedagogy itself it's the assessment at the end because at the end everybody the school the 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 world wants an individual assessment of each kid's contribution and understanding of those concepts that is represented by a grade that is given to them by the teacher. And it, that is the thing that most troubles the folks who are deeply in this, in these kind of pedagogies, right? It's like, well, if I have kids working in groups and talking and developing an explanation together and being the kind of community that we want, where they're working towards a shared explanation, then assessing them individually on their contribution and understanding is is somewhat both counterproductive and inauthentic. So, but but the system is set up that way that they have right. to do that. So it's like, well, now we're stuck. Now I have to give this kid a grade, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't even allow for nuance of of how we think about, you know, diversity of students. And well, this this answer that that Ollie wrote is really great. And this answer that Scott wrote is really great for Scott. It's not as good as Ollie's, but the amount that he he improved and he better understands the content and blah, blah, blah. Like there's all these other criteria we can use. But if we say, well, the, the rule is the, the standard. Yeah. A is this, the list. Right. Right. Yeah. A is the list. You got to name all nine things on the list. And right. You got to use all only, the words. Scott listed nine of them and all Ollie only listed six of them. Yeah. So. Oh, Scott only listed six, but I, know. Yeah. I was, I was changing that. Yeah. I, I, I you know, to, to continue with this, uh, your aversion with lists. I thought I'd oh, list a another, couple. <laughs> oh, great. No, I'm not. It's listing a list up. show. No, it's not the <laughs> list show. But uh, I thought I'd you know throw out a couple things that like over the last like month or two, um, I've come across that I thought were pretty cool that, you know, one is Futurepedia. Google that, hmm. Futurepedia. Um, it is just like this gigantic AI, you know, repository. Um, mm-hmm. That shows all of the things. And what's cool is it has these were released today. And so it shows like the 25 or 30 things that were literally just released on that day. And so it's just like 
mind blowing how fast this is growing. So there's that. Then there's another. Um, if you're really into this, uh, look for GPT Weekly, which is a mm-hmm. weekly thing you could subscribe to. It's almost like a newsletter. It's like you know an AI newsletter. It's like, hey, here are the things that are happening in AI this week. So if you're really interested in that, in that, and this stuff, if you're like, oh, this is awesome, I want to like really get nerd out on AI stuff. This that's something you can do. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing, because I know, uh, and I shared this with you, and I didn't, I, I texted you this while you were at Narst, and and uh was illicit you didn't really you know do you remember oh, what i say yeah 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 that like so we've been talking we're spending a lot of time on uh chat gpt and 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 bard and and those things um but i think one of the cool things if you're out there and you're you're a researcher like scott and i and you're you know interacting with um you know published journal articles and things like that something you should you know spend a little bit of time checking out is is a uh, a site called illicit e-l-i-c-i-t and you can google that too um illicit you can a- ask a research question mm-hmm. and it's designed for us like folks in 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 the you know Academia. scholarship community yeah, yeah. In academic communities and scholarship communities where you could ask it a research question and it you know, give you like 10 results that of, you know, published articles that are related to that research article and then give you a synopsis of the, so as if, you know, the abstract itself wasn't, you know, wasn't adequate as uh, yeah, it further summarizes that. So it's just like a couple sentences and then gives some measure of, of, you know, quality, quote unquote quality. I find that to be it slants a little bit more to, you know, big and quantitative types of studies versus mm-hmm. qualitative studies, um, which, you know, is something that I kind of bristle out a little bit. Um, but it does give something like that. Like, so it, it um, which is, is kind of a cool tool. Yeah. Um, now, how much would I use it? I don't, I don't know, but I did, you know, spend a, like a solid afternoon playing around with it and like geeking out and asking different questions mm-hmm. and, and saving this say, cause you can save it in like, and, and go back to it. So just like with like GPT and, and Bard and all that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously the, the question for that, as we've talked about with, with other things is like part of the reason that it probably slants towards quantitative studies is those have metrics that are easily comparable, right? Absolutely. It's very difficult to compare two qualitative studies um, without reading them uh, and, and understanding them in terms of their quality. So, um, so yeah, of course, anything that has metrics is going to be easier to, to chunk into the algorithm and give you a value for. Yes, but I put I put a bunch of questions in that like I was pretty knowledgeable about, like things that I was like, okay, I wonder what they're going to you know give, um, and they you know gave access to the ones that I thought that I would. They those were the ones that popped up in the top ten, and then you can further say, okay, just give me like the full text, you mm-hmm. know. So it's it's almost serves like if you're going to go on Eric or go on like EBSCO mm-hmm. host. Um, but it, it, but it also gives you this other information that those sites don't give you, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. so I'm thinking, cause I, I do teach some doctoral classes and I'm thinking, okay, how can I use this with my students? Like, you know, not necessarily to make the, cause they're beginning researchers, they're beginning scholars. And so like to kind of scaffold them a little bit because they just see something on, you know, 
EBSCO host and they're like, okay, it's published. It must be good. Yeah. Right. But then they have to have a better sense of what that, and we, we can talk about markers of quality and markers of um, like what makes a quality qualitative article, what makes a quality, you know, um, published work. Um, but you know, that's, you know, different students need different amounts of scaffolding and this can mm-hmm. be a really um, useful tool for some of them. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's not like this stuff's going to stop anytime soon. It's only going to oh, get no. more complicated and more um, uh, both useful and and dangerous, right? I mean, this is the thing about technology is it's always that double-edged sword. It, it always has powerful uses, and that means people use that power not just for good, right? Yeah. With great power comes great responsibility, as was once said. Right. Well, you know, yes. Th- thank you, Uncle Ben. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Spidey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, I mean, that's it, it, a, a, a theme of the show, right? Is yeah. that it's it's not like whenever something's created, it's it's not the thing that how it's created, it's how it's used, right? And, yeah. you know, whenever somebody puts out a list, you know, it's not like, hey, the list itself isn't good or bad, but when it becomes a metric or becomes a, you know, mm-hmm. a survey or an instrument or whatever, and all this AI stuff, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's benign in itself. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess in the same way that any list is benign. I mean, on some level, an AI is just a really big list of what, what's important. So it's, it's its own thing in that respect. Um, I mean, it's, it's like all the things that I bristle at because it's a list of what is valuable that is to some degree decontextualized, right? And and so once you do that, it's going to be wrong sometimes a lot of the time. Um so and and when things are wrong that we rely on, um it can be bad. Yeah. So and we can make it it can encourage us to make bad decisions, right? Like you can think about all these other lists that way too. Like if we cuz we're making decisions for example about kids and their value or their understanding or whatever based on our list and saying this kid is not as opposed to this kid is. Um, and, and if we had a different list, that kid would have had a different evaluation. So it's, so these lists do have tremendous power, which is why I, I, they make me nervous. Yeah. Well, I think one of the things I've learned in the last handful of episodes is that our, our, uh, show has changed from two guy, two old guys shaking their fists at clouds to one old guy shaking their fist at the uh, clouds. Maybe one old guy shaking his fist at lists, <laughs> while the other guy defends lists as the I'm most not powerful thing. <laughs> no. You, if you heard that and what I'm saying, then you have. Not I think I think I heard you say lists are the best. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah how, how do we become the anti-list show you know <laughs> you know what i need is a list of lists the best lists the top you're the, 10 best you're the guy lists. who just wanders around the grocery store i i'm here for some reason <laughs> a list i don't <laughs> a list is just gonna it's just gonna mess with my agency i just want to go around and buy stuff that i feel good about what am i hungry for right now right it's like uh, maybe i'll negotiate with the people in the grocery store what do you think is the best thing today what should i be let's, buying let's form a learning community here yeah. let's get all let's get all the produce people together and have we'll have a little discussion about what we think is the best produce you know, yeah. that's, that's how I shop. Right. I know. I I'm yeah. sure, you know, when you're like at the, the Trader Joe's or the Whole Foods, right? Yeah. 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 
go nice. into the yeah, go into the beer section and ask the the uh, people in there like you know what are, what are the good new beers what should I be right. what, what should I be drinking yeah I'm sure that would be a, an effective strategy for buying things yeah I mean yeah. it's a strategy it is in fact a strategy <laughs> you know what you could do is put it on a list of strategies that you could use for shopping. <laughs> it sounds like it's a better strategy than actually creating a list because we, you know, a list. No, lists are bad. Lists are lists are bad. Lists are well, bad. Then do we want to? <laughs> do we want to? We can talk about things that bring us joy, and you can pick something other than lists, and I'll pick <laughs> a list. A list would not be on my list of things. <laughs> things that bring me joy. Any kind of list. I don't care what the list is. Yeah. All right, so I'll start because I I kind of like prefaced this and at the end of last episode was this this movie this quirky little movie that I saw yeah. recently. Uh, it's called How It Ends, mm-hmm. um, and uh, it it came out in 2021, so you know it's probably not a whole lot of people's radars. I saw it on we were just navigating around like the Amazon movies and saying, okay, what can we what can we watch? My wife and I were like into watching a movie and we didn't have a ton of time. So we weren't going to like so- watch some three hour epic or something. You know, this is like an 85 minute movie, 90 minute movie. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's this quirky little movie with lots and lots of cameos of like funny people, right? Mm-hmm. Like Whitney Cummings and like uh, the, the people from always sunny and and so there's all these like you're like oh look at that it's Fred Armisen oh look at that it's this person it's just like yeah. all of these people make these cameos and like uh this so th- you you know this early in the movie so I'm not like giving it away um mm-hmm. it's the last day of of the Earth all right so there's this asteroid that's coming towards the Earth that you know they're pretty reasonably certain that's gonna like wipe out humanity and so um the 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 one character Liza who's played by Zoe Lister Jones who you might not know but you would recognize her when you saw her because she's been on a bunch of TV shows and and other things she's a writer for the show mm-hmm. I mean for the movie um and so she it's like how does she want to spend her last day you know and uh the novel thing is that I if through some like I don't know whether she's like. I mean, obviously she's imagining this. Um, mm-hmm. She's joined on this journey by her 13 year old self mm. who is her voice, who, you know, what she wants to do, what Liza wants to do is just kind of like hang out by herself, watch, you know, movies and just call, call it, you know, here's the end. Yeah, that's right? the end. And, and 13 year old Liza's like, no, why would you do this? And so it's like this, you know, it's this existential, you know, thing that is just mm-hmm. beautiful because, and I just was like, it is a quirky movie. It is an imperfect movie, but I think that I really like that plot device of having somebody be, you know, I, I've often thought about like, okay, what would the 13 year old self, what would the 13 year old Scott McDonald think about, you know, 50 year old Scott McDonald? Or what would the 13 year old Ollie Dreon think of the 50 year old Ollie Dreon? Um, well, He'd have a list to- for sure, whatever it would be. <laughs> he would have a list. Here are the top 10 things that <laughs> I and here appreciate the, about you. Here are the top, uh, the bottom 10 things that I don't <laughs> appreciate about you. <laughs> but this, like in the in this movie, the 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 young Liza is really like the 
the moral center and is the one who's like forcing her to like confront you know some of her big life regrets and say look you know you have your your opportunity to like make amends and change the course of like even though this is the end you can change how all of this and it's really cool to see that right right mm-hmm. to like to to see that play out in a movie so like i said it's 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 a short little you know feel good movie i enjoyed it um i'm sure it's not for everybody but it was certainly for me and my wife um and i think that you know if you're into that kind of funny humor you know nonsense how it ends how it ends all right nice um well i'm gonna mention a movie too that's also a little quirky and odd but it was triggered for me because um because we've talked on this show about shrinking, which is um, on Apple TV Plus and has been one of our joys in the past. And <clears throat> one of the stars of that television show is Jessica Williams, who plays one of the three therapists. So she's um, like the youngest in the in the practice. Um, and so it reminded me that um, she was in a film in 2017 called the incredible jessica james um which is it's just a good it's a good movie so um went back to it at jet so jessica williams plays jessica james and then there's um sort of two men in her life chris o'dowd um and lakeith stanfield um who you probably know both of them they're they're um you know both pretty famous actors. So it's got a pretty great cast and it's just about her and her life and her trying to figure out like, I mean, it's, it's essentially a, a rom-com. Um, but it's, it's more, I mean, I guess it's about friendship as much as it is, is about romance, but, but, um, but it's just a, it's a cute movie. It's, it's nice. It's, uh, it's hilariously funny. Um, and because, because, uh, Jessica Williams is hilariously funny and yeah, it's just, you know, it's good, feel good film. I really enjoy her and shrinking. That's she's, I think one of my favorite characters in that. Yeah. And it's got some of the same, she's got some of the same vibe in Jessica James as she does in shrinking. So, um, so she's that, you know, she's just sort of unselfconsciously hilarious and awesome and, and irreverent, um, you know, I like that about her too, is that she's like, you know, She's breaking rules and it's okay, you know. Yeah. yeah. She's so, you know, if if you didn't get enough uh if you didn't get enough Jessica Williams in shrinking, go check out um the incredible Jessica James. Yeah. All right. Well well, there's a little artificial intelligence talk today, you know. Yeah. Little, yeah. little AI talk from from the uh the list master and the, <laughs> the, the list. I am hater. not the list master. <laughs> that is uh, it's not Gonna stick. Gozar, it's not gonna stick. Gozar, the no, list master. No, no. You're not you're not giving out nicknames. Oh, That's oh, not what oh. you're here for. <laughs> so here's the first rule about nicknames. You don't get to pick them. You're not picking them, brother. That's list master. <laughs> no. D man's you know, gonna, gonna be gonna... a B man. <laughs> you know, that came up on my feed yesterday because you said it recently. I was like, oh, look at that. There it is. There's there's yeah. Derek. Uh, <laughs> it was a whole bunch of clips of Derek, all the best Derek's. And who, there's a lot of good Derek's. There are a lot of good Derek's in that in that show. And that you know what the thing is is that up until the show, every show I saw that 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 actor in, I didn't like him. In yeah, 
He's well, like, I think he was intentionally not likable, but in right, most in of the everything. shows, he was and now like, he's yeah. the best thing in the show. Like he's like the coolest <laughs> he's, dude. He's so funny. <laughs> right. he's I mean, got the every, best everybody on that show is so good, though, man. Yeah. Liz, Liz is, yeah, she kills right. me. But yeah, anyway, we're not talking about shrinking. Go see Shrinking, and if you finish that, then come back check, to him. Yeah, check out the other stuff too. All right, we'll catch yeah. you next time. In between. See you then. Bye now.